welcome to a special edition of the Tales Scotland podcast. I'm joined today from live from Gala Shields by Emma Seath, senior reporter. Hi, Emma. Hi there. And from Edinburgh, Julia Belkatai, who is Tez head of FE and, uh, as I say, is based in Edinburgh. Hello. And I'm coming to you from the teeming metropolis of Falkirk. We are, <laughs> we are we're looking back on essentially six months of coronavirus affecting Scottish education in a huge way. I mean, it's quite incredible to look back now, now that COVID is so normalised in our daily lives to look back and just look at some of the stuff that happened around six months ago. So on the 1st of March, we had the first confirmed case of COVID in Scotland. On the 11th of March, we had the first case of community transmission of COVID. Two days later, um, inspections were suspended until who knows when, school inspections. Uh, Three days later, on the 16th of March, student student teachers' school placements were suspended. On the 18th of March, schools, it was announced that schools were to close en masse, and then just a day later, the exams were cancelled. So all that happened within the space of around six days. Um, Emma, when did you realise how big a deal this was going to be uh, for Scottish education? Um, I actually think that, I, I think that maybe, um, I can't kind of take the credit for realising, I do remember one phone call with you where you had been in the editorial meeting that morning and um, Anne Maraz, the editor of um, TES, uh, had said that, um, that basically coronavirus was the only story in town. And I think that that was almost when I kind of realised, yeah, it is, it, the impact of this and what's happening in schools now and what the consequences are going to be for schools. And then from that point on, it was just a waiting game, waiting until the, well, waiting until they closed the schools, basically. Yeah. And how about you, Julia? I think I'd, I'd feared it for some time, but it was really when exams and assessments were cancelled and when that was first sort of muted as a concept that you thought, this is going to be a big deal and it isn't just about people not attending colleges and schools for a few weeks. This is going to have, you know, a much bigger impact on this year, possibly next year, certainly on at least one cohort of students and, and school pupils who will be very, very affected by this in all sorts of ways. I think I agree with you because even, even that day when it was announced that schools were going to close, there was still a feeling that, well, it might just be for a few weeks. Hopefully the kids will be back before the summer. But when the exams were cancelled, I mean, that was huge. To put that into context, you know, the exams hadn't been cancelled during two world wars. They'd still continued. Um, so, and also not just the fact that they were cancelled, but the fact that they were cancelled didn't seem all that controversial. There weren't many people saying this is a terrible idea. I mean, everyone, most people were on board with that decision. So the fact that that was the response to it as well, I thought was pretty huge. I mean, and then we enter this strange period of lockdown. How do you how do you look back on lockdown now? And what maybe are a couple of your favourite stories from from that time? Um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I think that it was the I think that when, you know when you have um, kids, the key thing with lockdown was the homeschooling mm-hmm. and getting used to this idea of having to juggle your job, which was just so hugely busy and understandably busy at that time. I mean, it was a brilliant time to be, it's been a brilliant time and continues to be a brilliant time to be writing about education because it's, it, it feels very, very important. You know, it almost feels like you're kind of providing a service you, where you're, you're, 
you're bringing um, up-to-date information to teachers, you're summarising really important guidance about how to stay safe in school, and things are changing really, really quickly. But at the same time, you know, in my case, I had, you know, sort of a six-year-old and a nine-year-old at home who needed to be home educated and almost you're used to doing your job but you're not used to educating your children at home for so for me personally the home education side of things getting to grips with that understanding the platforms like teams that they were working on understanding how to encourage your own children to work <laughs> and how to be their teacher you know I, I felt that that was the most challenging thing but I mean, it'd be interested to hear, Julia, you know, sort of how you found it, because I should imagine that there are different, there were different, very different challenges for you. Well, I didn't, there was no one I needed to homeschool, but certainly the being cut off from the world in that way and sort of spending quite so much time on your own was uh, challenging. Um, but it was also, you know, at a time where we would have been busier than certainly, you know, the FE team has ever been before. It was, it moved from, finding stories and covering stories, you know, a number of stories every day to just basically trying to stay on top of what the latest guidance was and, and what was happening. Um, and, you know, colleges closed their campuses for face-to-face -face teaching, but there was still so much going on both within colleges and also with the sector as a whole. Um, and then because I cover both Scotland and England, you know, there were then two different sets of guidance for everything and two different settings around lockdown and different approaches to everything never mind two ministers and you know different unions and, and all sorts <laughs> so uh there was certainly no shortage of things to be looking out for and, and to look at but as you were saying it very much felt like a very important time to cover cover further education because people were really looking to us to tell them what was going on and, and where the sector was at completely agree that the job for us and in some ways, it's sort of really gone back a bit towards normal, but it went from a job where we were both A, reacting to news as it happened, but B, going out and finding news and finding stories and finding features too. There was so much stuff to react to. It was like a game of whack-a-mole. You're just like, okay, there's a story. Oh, there's another story. And they're just, you know, they're coming at you at an incredible pace. Um, I feel as well that during lockdown, it's, it seems like another time now. There was a, a different mood around, I felt like. Although there were this terrible global event was happening, there was a real sense of we're all in this, in this together. I was just looking back there, a piece I put together on the 3rd of April, so just a short time after uh, after the mass closures. And it was schools and colleges doing all sorts of great things to keep, um, keep, keep students uh, in touch, to keep uh, staff together, you know, working together and sharing ideas and... There was a, I mean, it seems almost odd to say it, but there was a sense of fun. There was, I'm just looking here, there were, you know, um, musical performances. Uh, there was a Glasgow college uh, doing a mass dance lesson, I think. Uh, all sorts of fun things going on. I just feel like now, if, if there is a, a mass, say there was a national lockdown again, I'm just not sure there'd be the same appetite for that the second time around. It's... Uh, you know, I think people are pretty tired of the situation now and there's a real yearning to get back to some sort of normal. But uh, and another th interesting thing from the time is that you look back now at this, our coverage and there were a lot of people predicting pretty much exactly what happened with the exams in, at the start of August. The warning signs were very much there. You can see in our coverage going back to March, April, May, 
about what might happen, and yet it still happened. So that's a story that's still to be, still to play out uh, uh, in the in the weeks and months ahead. And um, so, I mean, going on back to to you, Emma and Julia, what? How do you how do you feel things have changed to, you know from those early days of lockdown to where we are now? Well, I mean, I suppose that um, in the early days, you know, you're sort of covering um, covering coronavirus, maybe in a bit more of a kind of and other stories, and then there got to that stage where you're only covering coronavirus. Mm -hmm. Everything that you write is to do with coronavirus, and it almost like got to the point where you sort of felt a bit weird <laughs> writing about anything else and wondered if anybody would actually be interested because obviously it just looms loomed so large in everybody's lives that it was almost a bit like was there an appetite to hear about anything else when there's this you know sort of really major problem you know sort of sitting on everybody's shoulder you know do they want to you know sort of hear about the latest research into modern languages or you know is there any appetite for that kind of news? I think that that's, you know, sort of, that's changing now because schools are back, you know, so people are more interested in things to do with, you know, um, improving their practice and stuff like that. But I guess the thing that looms on the horizon is that, of course, the figures are not looking great in terms of the rising numbers of coronavirus cases. And so the next thing on the horizon will be about what is the impact of that going to be for schools, but it seems like it possibly mean that it's more about local lockdown or, or local changes to the way that things are done because we have better data and because we can identify where the clusters are. Um, and so I, I guess maybe going forward, it'll be about what are the implications of that for, for the system. Yeah, and I mean, we sort of, we started off very much just sort of covering colleges closing for face-to-face -face teaching and the sort of immediate implications of, of what was going on. And then we went, I think all three of us went quite quickly to a lot of stories that were born out of innovation. You know, what mm -hmm. great things were, were teachers and in my case, lecturers and, and colleges doing, you know, much of it out of necessity. You know, you mentioned already um, Glasgow Clyde College and the, that was actually what would have been the end of year dance show, which is something that colleges take great pride in, do every year. There was no way to do it in person. So, you know, lecturers thought on their feet and came up with some sort of online solution. Or, you know, I, I still think of Alana, the makeup lecturer from Ayrshire, who made national news and, and you know, was, was on this story. morning yeah. and also all sorts of television programs because she was trying to think of, of sort of creative and fun ways to deliver classes to her students and still was turning herself into Lewis Capaldi and Philip <laughs> Schofield and the Queen and, you know, Boris Johnson, all sorts of famous personalities. And those will be images that will be with us. But for, for some time, there were dozens of stories like that where mm -hmm. teachers and college staff were going, you know, really innovative, creative ways to, to try and get learning to the cohorts that they now couldn't see face to face. And I mean, you know, colleges have reopened, but the default setting for Scottish colleges is remote learning where that is possible. So college buildings are still, by and large, much more quiet than you would expect otherwise. Um, at this time of year, there have already been the, the first cases in in colleges among students and staff, and so I reckon remote learning in in the sectors is going to stay with us for for some time. So where do you go with that? You know, will you need much more CPD for college staff delivering learning online for a much longer period of time? How does that work with the vocational subjects? You know, the example people use for is is hairdressing. A lot of the time, you can't teach someone to cut hair online but I know colleges have for example been sending those training heads to students mm -hmm. so they can 
they can start cutting air at home. And none of that is ideal, but you know, I reckon the sector will have to continue to find ways of, of doing things a bit differently, particularly while face-to-face -face teaching hasn't become the norm yet. And so much of assessment is, is practical in FE as well. So what do you do with that? I mean, I think- Yeah, there's an awful busy. lot that's still to be you know, sort of worked through. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Do you have any favorite stories, Henry, from you know, sort of your, your yeah, well, well, lockdown well, back catalog? Yeah, well, I'm just thinking of one of yours, actually. I mean, going back again to the very early days of lockdown where you, I remember being very excited when you told me about the story about the teacher in Lacaver, was it, who had produced five individual pieces of PPE for a local hospital. Uh, but, and then that quickly escalated nationwide. You suddenly saw all these schools producing PPE, hooking up with colleges, hooking up with local businesses and almost creating a production line. But that, uh, as far as I can tell, was the very first time anyone had reported on that. And I remember the first time I heard that, I went, my God, that's, that's amazing. What a great story, you know, what a lovely story, especially when things were so fraught at that stage. Um, so that, uh, I think you sort of set the ball rolling with, with that sort of thing. And that, that was, that's one that really sticks in the memory. Any, I think else? I felt quite a sense of relief to be able to write that story because um, it was because um, Stephen Stewart, the, the, the head of um, computing at Lochaber, had tweeted about it. Mm -hmm. you know, so, you know, so then I had picked up on his tweet. And he'd, you know, sort of taken photos of bits of PPE that he had made. And he had actually been, rather than him, you know, sort of saying, well, we've got a 3D teaching center, he'd actually been approved by the hospital who needed this stuff. And it sounds so funny now that it was um, five visors that were produced because ultimately, I think that some schools were producing, and probably colleges did it too, were producing huge amounts of this stuff you know but that was you know sort of that was you know sort of how it kicked off the the hospital knew that they had a 3d printer at the school so they came to them i mean i don't want to downplay the huge amount of problems obviously that coronavirus has caused for education but uh, you'll have to look at what's happened with the exams and so forth but there must have been this generation of young people are going to come out the other side with you know some sort of uh, insight into life and the world around them that other people won't have had. When you look at just the examples of the schools creating the PP and having that bond and that genuine connection with their communities where the, they're proactively doing something that will genuinely protect and uh, help people out there in the community, there's something to, you know, that's something that will stay with those, those teachers and those, those students, you would think. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I guess as well, though, there'll be so many young people who, um, you know, I remember doing an interview with um, the president of um, the Association of Directors of Education, Carrie Lindsay, at the near the beginning of um, lockdown and her major concern as it was then um, throughout lockdown was just about um, the families who were living in, you know, sort of flats with no out access to outdoor space, you know, at that moment in time where you were only allowed mm -hmm. to be out for an hour and what, what were the, what were going to be the consequences for those families. Um, so, you know, I, I, it would be such, you know, it was such a story of really, really mixed experiences because I remember at one stage, Henry, you were saying about, you know, actually having this time with your daughters to, you know, sort of, to, to be a big part of their education and I certainly felt the same way was was actually quite a 
was a privilege in some way, you know, well, it was a privilege. <laughs> it was, except it was, it was, and I will probably put that gloss on it now retrospectively, but I, I can't deny that uh, my younger daughter, who's six, um, was very excited about um, home education, uh, but it took till about half past ten on the second morning for her to say, homeschool's not as good as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> so... I think so that's more reflection of the quality of the teaching. And yes, exactly. I, th I hope. I think. One, well, that might be another silver lining to all this. That maybe we come out with a greater appreciation of uh, teachers and other education professionals. Um, yeah, you, you are competing against, you know, sort of degree educated professionals. You know, like <laughs> there's only so much you can do, Henry. Well, I mean, it's a genuine point. I hope. I hope that it was a short, sharp shock to a lot of people out there who are maybe dismissive about uh, education professionals and uh, think, oh, anyone could do that because it's, it's such a retrograde attitude and it's so off the mark. Um, it's you know, it's a hugely skilled profession, and uh, hopefully, that, uh, there's a greater awareness of that now. Um, so I mean, look at, looking ahead to what's coming up next, uh, we're sort of still at the, the foothills of this school year, this academic year. Have you any thoughts or predictions about how what's going to happen over the next the next few months? A lot of local lockdowns and groups isolating. I reckon. I think mm -hmm. we'll see more and more of that, where you know either sort of classroom cohorts or bubbles or whatever they might be in the individual settings will will be sent home and be home for a couple of weeks and you wonder what happens when that starts being groups of staff you know how do you then staff colleges and schools when you start having lecturers off um, teachers off I think those will be challenges that we'll be on, reporting on for for some time to come, time to come um, yeah. and then also seeing what oh, changes sorry. will will stay you know what changes that we saw in lockdown will stay with us for longer you know mm. how much remote learning will we see how much uh, of that kind of community spirit Will, will persist. And actually, we ran a piece in the FE section just a couple of days ago where a uh, sort of head of maths and English in an English college was saying, I worry that this sort of appreciation for the teaching profession was very short-lived and that people went very much straight back to this idea of the teacher of being lazy and constantly on holiday. Mm. You know, how much of that will, will stay with us for, for any length of time? I think it's, you know, sort of I, initially when the schools went back, I think that my thought was there was that kind of like moment of panic where you start thinking oh my goodness there's a chance that we don't learn anything from this you know like and it just goes we just go back to doing things exactly the way that we used to do them it seemed like the government was saying we're on track for a normal exam diet in 2021 or that's the the ambition is a normal exam diet in 2021 and the people's went back and schools were understandably the top priority was about getting the kids back safely so anything that had been done in terms of online learning it seemed like that was being kind of set to one side to focus on that and it was you know, and, and it, it remains to be seen whether or not that is picked back up again but now what it seems like is actually you know following on from what you were saying Julia it seems like the hand is going to be forced in that respect because we're seeing the figures rise and um, and because and it does seem like it will be more likely that it will be kind of localised. And what will be interesting now is to see how well can schools, with the way that they're staffed currently, and colleges, how although colleges might be at a bit of an advantage if they're already doing a lot more online yeah. and remote learning. Absolutely. But for schools where it's all happening just now face to face, and where some classes are, you know, having to having to isolate some teachers. 
it's quite piecemeal and you sort of wonder what is the impact then going to be on the children who are just having of their education missed and how easy is it going to be for schools to fill in those gaps i think um the i think a, a prediction from one of my predictions would be that there's just going to be a slow dawning in the collective consciousness that this is this is it for quite a while certainly this full school year you know, initially we were talking about, oh, people were hoping schools would be closed a couple of weeks. Then it was like, oh, maybe back before the summer. And then, oh, let's get back to normal um, after the summer. And we're a long way from normal. The whole school year is going to be affected, whatever happens over the coming months, in a big way. Um, but I'm not sure we've quite got to got our heads around that yet, that uh, we're a long, long way off from normal. Sorry to sound very gloomy. Um, and more immediately, I think a big thing coming over the horizon, uh, Emma and I were covering the Education Committee of the Parliament yesterday, and a big question just now is what on earth is going to happen with the exams next year? I mean, students at colleges and secondary schools, they've already had uh, you know, preparations towards qualifications like hires, uh, badly disrupted. Courses usually start well before the summer. Um, there's people are still waiting on uh, advice from the SQA on what the exam is going to look like. That's now like it won't come out until October. But uh, John Swinney seemed to be dropping a hint that uh, there'll be a decision made on exams in early October before uh, the schools break up and some schools break up on Friday the 2nd. So that's not far away. And uh, I mean, if you're talking about a decisive uh, move, then surely that's got to be cancelling exams. I mean, there's no other <laughs> decisive move to make. You can say, yeah, we'll plow ahead with exams, but you can't be, I mean, that's... Uh, you can't be sure that's going to happen. You can't be sure that's going to be happen. That could be completely out with your control. So um, I wouldn't be all that surprised if, uh, um, if exams are cancelled at some point, but we shall see. That could be off the mark. Any last thoughts from anyone? How are you all doing anyway? How 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 things going personally? Are you coping? Have you gone to Germany yet, Julia? <laughs> <laughs> I made it. Yeah, no, I did. I made it home for a week, which was which was great. I uh, was on the first flight that I could take um, and came back on the first flight that was coming back from from Munich into Edinburgh. So, uh, but that already feels like a very long, mm. very long time ago. Um, contemplating possibly making a first sort of visit to a college that, that would be the first in about seven months try and you know get a bit of normality into into daily working life how do you feel about <laughs> um, that um i'm it's probably the thing i miss most is going into colleges and actually seeing what they do on the ground but i mean the thing is they currently aren't doing an awful lot on the ground that i can't also see from <laughs> zoom That's true. That's so true. so um, I mean, the situation is entirely different in England, where the minister said she wants every student in a college to get face-to-face -face learning this term. Um, and, you know, the health advice there is already saying we can expect colleges to have outbreaks for that reason. Um, and so, I don't know, I miss it, but I equally don't particularly want to, want to rush back um, and either put myself at risk or anyone that's around me or, you know, bring something into a college setting. I have to say, I find this period a bit more psychologically unsettling than, than that sort of March, April, May period where, because things were so clear, you know, the, the rules were very clear. You basically have to stick in your house for most of the time and 
not you know not do much else other than potter around in your, with your own family or your um, whoever you're living with. Um, and there was something sort of strangely, I mean, missed all the turmoil, sort of strangely reassuring about that. Um, you, there was clarity there. Now, now you're always trying to catch yourself, say, "Oh, can I do this? Am I allowed to do this?" It's quite. Uh, you're always constantly reevaluating what you're doing on a day-to-day basis, and I have to say, I'm not sure when I'll next be inside uh, a school, and I'm really not sure how I'm going to feel about it either. I don't think I'll know until I until I get there. How about you, Emma? How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there would be, a, there just has to be a good reason for it. You know, <laughs> that's it. it's as simple as that, isn't it? I mean, and I don't know how schools would feel about that just now. I mean, if you consider it that they are not having in, you know, sometimes, you know, sort of the visiting teachers that they would usually have in for PE or for music, then I should imagine that having us in would be pretty low down the, the list of priorities. Um, but, you know, in, in terms of, you know, sort of schools coming back and how are things, you know, sort of playing out in schools and how different is it on the ground, you could see that almost that's the, that's the moment at which you kind of go to visit is, is to sort of report on how that re-entry into, into school is, how is that going? Um, and for a lot of other things, I think it's probably possible to do quite a lot of it over the phone. And, and actually, I, I think that that's almost at the moment, we're still in a situation where that's the only way to do it. Yeah, sadly. Well, thanks very much, Julia. Thanks, Emma. Um, I think we should reconvene in a few months and see how things are going, maybe about halfway through, the, through the year. Um, but thanks, and until the next time. Thank you very much. Thank you.